Alrighty, today's wake up call. We're back, baby. Super Bowl 55 special for Super Bowl Sunday. We're talking the Super Bowl Bucks Chiefs. We've got a great interview, the first ever interview in the history of the wake up call with the founder of All Sports News, Dan Tracy. We're also doing a new segment called Buy or Sell, where I talk your guys' Super Bowl 55 takes, and we'll see how Madden predicts the Super Bowl will go. Alrighty, let's roll that intro music. This is the Wake Up Call presented by Birchwood Sports Network. Here we go. We're back, baby. Gotta wake up. The Wake Up Call, presented by Birchwood Sports Network, with your host, James Manker. Wake up, people. This is your Wake Up Call. It is Sunday, February 7th, 2021. Super Bowl Sunday, Super Bowl 55. We're back, baby. We're back for the first time in almost two months. The last episode was December 9th, but we're back for the Super Bowl Sunday special. We got a lot today. We got a great interview, the first ever interview in the history of the Wake Up Call with the founder of All Sports News, Dan Tracy. It's a great interview. Stick around for that. We've also got the debut of a new segment, Buy or Sell. I had uh, fans on Instagram submit takes on the Super Bowl, anything having to do with the Super Bowl. Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs, the Bucks, anything having to do with the Super Bowl, I had them submit it. I will be talking about those after the interview. Uh, I simulated the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 55, Chiefs, Buccaneers. Uh, between, on, I simmed it on Madden. So I'll be talking about what Madden says is going to happen in the game. This is the Super Bowl 55 special. We're coming back with a big episode. So everything in this episode is going to be revolving around Super Bowl 55. It is already being touted as the greatest quarterback matchup in the Super Bowl of all time. You have the GOAT, Tom Brady, six Super Bowls is going to be his record, 10th Super Bowl appearance, going up against the baby GOAT, the only guy even in consideration to possibly catch him one day, Patrick Mahomes, uh, 24 years old, has a, already has a Super Bowl, already has a Super Bowl MVP. A lot is going to go down tonight. Listen, in my interview with Dan, we talk a lot about the Super Bowl. So I'm not really going to talk about it too much in the prelude here. We're going to get it we're going to get into all that in the interview. So I'm just going to talk about my personal takes, give you about 5 minutes here and then we'll get into the interview. So first off, my pick, the Bucks. I have learned past couple years to not doubt Tom Brady. Someone is going to, you know, you can't blame anyone for their pick in this matchup. You can take the baby goat who had last year had three double digit comebacks in the playoffs, including the Super Bowl. You can't doubt Mahomes either, but like like I say in the interview with Dan, in terms of not doubting the, between the two of them, I I give seniority to Brady. He's proved it more. You look at all of it, you know, 28 to 3 you look at everything that he has done, everything on his resume, not just in terms of the postseason and the Super Bowl, just his entire career. Nearly every time he's been down and he's needed to come back, he has done it. He has proven it time and time again for 20 years. He's taken this team to the Super Bowl in his first year. They're going to be the first team to play in the Super Bowl at their home stadium. 
I can't doubt him. In terms of Mahomes, I'm not saying he's going to have a bad game, but again, I give seniority to Brady. What do I what do I think will happen in the game? I think this is going to I think it's going to come down honestly to whose defense plays better. In the matchup that you're talking about the quarterbacks, I I, I do think it's going to matter which defense shows up because Whoever gets shut down more, I, I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I don't think it's going to shoot out. I don't think it's going to be a shootout. I think both teams are going to score in the 20s. Like I tell Dan, I think I said my prediction was, is 27 to 21 uh, Buccaneers. So a, a relatively low-scoring matchup for the level that these two have played at throughout their careers. Obviously, Brady's career being way longer than Mahomes, but you all get the point. If I had to pick an MVP for this matchup, I'd say it's going to be Brady. And I'd say he's it's going to be the same way Mahomes was the MVP last year. Damian Williams should have won the MVP. But the reason that that game was won, the reason that that team was where they were, was Patrick Mahomes. And I think Brady is going to get that effect in this matchup. I think, I think he throws for two touchdowns. I think he throws for 200 yards. Uh, I think we get a touchdown out of Ronald Jones. Uh, you could look at other guys defensively, Levante David, Devin White, who could get the MVP. You could look at any of the guys that Brady's throwing to. You could look at Gronk. You could look at Brown. You could look at Evans. You could look at Godwin. You could look at Scotty Miller. I mean, just saying these guys out loud, you recognize how many weapons he really has. But at the end of the day, I think it's going to be Brady just because he's he's gotten them here. He gets, he gets the award for getting them here seventh ring fifth super bowl mvp he adds to the resume like i said not really talking too much about the super bowl here in the prelude because you'll see that dan and i in our interview go into immense detail about what is going to happen in this game it's a pretty long interview <laughs> we talked for about an hour and 15 minutes I'm sure by the, I haven't uh, cut it up yet, but I'm sure by the end of this, it won't be all that. I'm going to have to cut out some good stuff. Maybe I'll post that to Instagram later. By the way, if you haven't already, go follow Birchwood Sports on Instagram. There you will, fo- you will find more content, uh, all the updates about the network, uh, not just the wake-up call, but other projects that we have coming out. Like I said, my update video, uh, which you would have seen, if you're following me already, if you're not, that's all right, go follow now, where I am... We got more projects coming out. There will be rebranding at some point. I have a new project coming out with a buddy of mine named Braden Schmidt next up. It's going to be an amateur sports coverage show, high school, college sports. It's going to be a lot of fun. We have a lot of stuff in the works. So go follow Birchwood Sports on Instagram for all your updates. Before we get to the interview with Dan, the wake-up call is back, and that means that we have our sponsor back, our number one, our first ever sponsor. We still only have one, which is all right, but he's a great sponsor. Mark Cortez State Farm is the official insurance sponsor of the Wake Up Call. For more information, call 217-787-1727 or visit growwithmark.com. Again, Mark Cortez State Farm is the official insurance sponsor of the Wake Up Call. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for, the founder of All Sports News, the first ever interview in the history of Birchwood Sports, Dan Tracy. What's going on, guys? Got to make you wait another minute or two for the interview with Dan Tracy. A little rusty, getting things started back up with the podcast here. It's been two months. Cut me some slack. Uh, Two things. One, the mic quality on my end on the Zoom call with Dan went to shit. He sounds fine. 
I sound terrible. Uh, obviously, on my end, being the local mic, the one recording, it's something I got to get fixed, and I will. But just try to ignore the horrible mic quality of mine in the interview. It's a great conversation. It's a great interview. So just try to focus on everything we're talking about and make sure to ignore the horrible sound quality. Number two... I forgot to mention everything that we're talking about in the interview. We get into Super Bowl 55, obviously. We get into the NFL quarterback carousel. We get into all sports news, the sports news page that he founded on Instagram, how he sold it to FanCred, how he's been running it for eight, going on nine years now, how he was inspired to create the page. We get into a whole bunch of stuff. I won't hold you back any further. So here we go. The first ever interview in the history of the wake-up call, Dan Tracy. Alrighty, now I welcome in the founder of All Sports News, an Instagram page with nearly 600,000 followers, a man who has revolutionized the way that sports news is presented on social media. During the NFL season, he blogs weekly for FanCred, and now he can add first ever guest in the history of the wake-up call with James Manker to his resume. Please welcome Dan Tracy. Dan, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be on here. I like every opportunity to talk about sports. Looking forward to it. Busy time. Yeah, thank you. I thank you for coming on. We'll get to the Super Bowl here. We'll get to some other sports news. But I got to start with all sports news. You've been killing the game. You've been running this page since 2012. So you're a junior at BU. Is that right? Right. So what inspires a 12 or 13-year-old to start this account? You're 20 or 21 now. So what got you into the game so young? Yeah, I was 12. I had actually just turned 12 a month before because I started. I turned 12 in May 2012, and I started it in June 2012. And um, I had always followed sports. And I think that year, that year or so, I started getting into, um, you know, just tracking like news day to day. It, it went from me, you know, knowing about the big things in sports to wanting to know about everything that was going on in sports. And it was at the same time that I just gotten on Instagram, like Instagram personally, my personal account. Um, it was just starting to get popular. And um, I'd also just gotten on Twitter and, you know, that's where you can get a lot of news. So I was having news come to me. I was getting more interested in sports and I was starting to download, um, you know, just some apps like playing around where you can create some little graphics. Um, looking back on it now, I wouldn't really call them graphics, but it's where you can, yeah, you know, do some things with pictures, words and color. And I started putting some things together and I decided, um, you know, let me create an account where I can share some of the stuff with other, other people. Didn't think it would get that big, especially that quickly, but um, yeah, I, I mean, the reason why I did it then and the reason why I still do it now is just because I enjoy the story of sports, um, you know, following it not only day to day, but week to week, month to month, year to year. Right. I haven't lost that passion. I mean, I was nine, so I wasn't <laughs> on Instagram yet, but from your flashback posts, your first post was about LT retiring, right? Right. Yep. So to gauge on how long it's been that you've been at this, I mean, yeah. that's, that seems like forever ago. And for that to be the first time that you covered anything shows how long you've been at it. So then sometime in 2017, ASN gets bought by FanCred, major site, major sports blog site. Mm -hmm. How many followers do you have at the point that ASN was bought by FanCred? Well, I don't even know. I think it was somewhere in the, in the 500,000 range because it, it has kind of plateaued the last couple of years. Um, I think that's just a product of of one, Instagram's algorithm, and two, the fact that Instagram was growing for a long time and isn't growing now because so many people are on it. Um, but yeah, it was probably in that range. And I started getting into contact with the people who, actually the people who own FanCred, I got in contact with them before they even um, 
partnered with Fancrank. So I had been in contact with them since I was 15. Wow. And, um, so the account kept growing through then from 2015 into 2016 into 2017. And then, and then we partnered up that way. So I remember, I remember you posting about how, I don't know if it was something about shadow ban, but you were just, you were making sure that you kept your audience involved with post notifications. I've had them on. Honestly, whenever there's big news, like when all we were, when we were going through the original COVID stuff and March Madness was getting postponed and all that, your page was honestly where I was getting all that breaking news. It still does from time to time. And even before COVID it was, but you know, those push alerts that you get from your page, you often beat CBS and ESPN with a punch in my phone. So I got to give you credit to that, which is why I want to ask you, do you have a system ready to go for how quick you can get news out? Do you have something on your phone? Like, is it constantly? Cause I see, I see your post and then I see the story from ESPN a minute later. So I don't know if, you know, are you banging it out throughout the day? Like how, how do you go about it? I think for, um, you know, over the years, I've definitely developed um, a good sense of who to follow on Twitter and not only who to follow on Twitter, but what notifications to have on. And, um, and you know, when you see enough things on social media, you can kind of get a sense of what's coming. Obviously not every news, not every piece of news is uh, something you can expect, but you know, certain things I can pre-make a post for, or at least make most of a post for. Um, other than that, you know, when, when that's not the case, I just try as hard as I can to write something up quickly. I think I, what I posted like 18,000 times now, I think the number is if you, I guess when you've done that enough times, you kind of know how to word things um, efficiently and quickly and get it out quickly. And um, yeah, it's just putting in the most effort I can to get things out quickly because that really is, I think it, it sticks with people when they see the post, um, when they see my post before they see something else. You know, I think a lot of my posts are, um, people seeing it secondhand, they already know what happened, they're just seeing it in different forms. But when you can put a post out that people, that gives people the news for the first time, that probably makes a difference. So I, I do try to focus on speed and that's why you'll see typos from time to time. It's because I, I feel like yeah. kind of just betting on getting it out quickly and um, you know making an impact that way, spreading it to the most people that way. And I do, well, I do pre-make some stuff and I think the best example right now, and who know when this comes out, I bet you it'll be done. But uh, Trevor Bauer and the Mets, I have that mostly made up because that could happen. That's a deal that can happen at any moment, and uh, we all know it could happen at any moment. Right. So that the moment it does happen, I hope you know I'm ready to go. The only thing that can get in the way of that is me sleeping, or him going to the Dodgers, <laughs> or him go, or him going to the Dodgers. Right. All right, a little break in the action here. I'm editing this episode right now. Uh, this episode will come out on Sunday, February 7th. This interview was done Thursday, February 4th. Since then, Trevor Bauer has signed with the Dodgers, so credit to past James for getting that signing correct. All right, back to the interview. Um, so it's interesting to go onto your page from time to time because for those who don't know, it's an, it's an Instagram-only page, which is perfectly all right. But it's awesome to see the graphics and everything's in chronological order. So if you are looking for a specific event and you're looking to go back to look at something specific, you know exactly where it is. Uh, you can swipe fast through the page to go to a certain point in time. Like I remember halfway through quarantine, I went back to your page to look at everything that got canceled because of coronavirus and to just see everything that happened that, you know, that one week that everything shut down. Everything's yeah. right there from no fans. I think it was a Warriors game was the first thing to baseball and 
hockey being shut down for the season. So, and that's the interesting thing to me is it's, it's Instagram only, which means that you're, you're posting a picture. I almost said tweet. You're posting a picture to put out the news. How do you get the graphic out so quickly as always? Cause it's always in the same, uh, it's always set up the same. You've got like two pictures based on what it is. And then you've got a headline and all the bottom text. How do you get that out so quickly? Cause the, you know, the push notification comes in a minute before ESPN. Yeah, well, at this point, I have every logo. I mean, basically every logo, um, yeah. especially in the four major American sports and then most of college. I don't I don't organize them as best as I can. Some, sometimes the only delay is like searching for one of them. But, you know, I have every logo ready to go. Um, find a good photo of it. It's just a Google search. Find a photo of a player or a coach or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and then the headlines, like, I guess at this point, I've done thousands and thousands of headlines. And obviously, most of them are real simple, like, you know, team acquires player. So I think I usually have the headline in my head as soon as something happens. And then, um, you know, write up five or six sentences. And I, I enjoy writing. Not that that's a lot of uh, detailed writing, but I, I enjoy writing. I feel like I can come up with a few sentences pretty quickly. Part of that is, you know, knowing the background of a lot of this stuff. Like if, if somebody signs somewhere or somebody gets fired, I feel like I already have the, the basis where I don't have to deep dive into whatever is going on. I pretty much know the circumstances and can write something up quickly. The only um, caveat to that is sometimes you have to look up stats. I can't remember specific stats for everybody. But other than that, I have done this enough to know how to type something up quickly. I have the logos ready and I put emphasis on getting it out there quickly because that's what matters to people. Where do you see your most engagement? Draft nights, uh, championships, acquisitions, trade deadlines. Like where do you see your most user engagement? Where do you see that the most people are seeing the most at any given time? I think a lot of those, I think free agency periods, especially, you yeah. know, baseball would be, baseball would be something if it was, um, you know, if it happened over like 24 or 48 hours. But when the NFL free agency rush happens in March, and especially when the NBA free agency rush happens in July or God knows where, whatever time of year now, that gets a lot of traction because people know that's going on. Uh, players are changing teams, which gets a lot of people fired up and interested. And um, not only do they have, not only do they have notifications on, I think a lot of them, but they keep coming back because they want to see who signed where or if they missed anything. The NFL uh, free agency period always gets a lot of attention because it just happens so quickly. It's always like a between a Monday and a Wednesday, mostly everything happens. And that was especially true this year. It was right after, uh, you know, COVID shut everything down. And you had the, the first day of free agency where DeAndre Hopkins gets traded, Stephon Diggs gets traded, right. um, and DeForest Buckner. Three major trades. The next day, Tom Brady and Phillip Rivers go elsewhere. And Teddy Bridgewater, um, which got yeah. a lot of attention. So, you know, you have these huge moves, players changing teams in a matter of 48 hours. And um, those time periods can spark a lot of engagement. But yeah, in general, I'd say player movement definitely gets the most attention. So like you said, sometimes you'll have a typo because you get a post out so quickly. But I think that's the embodiment of a one-man show. So you're still in high school at the time that Van Cred buys all sports news. <laughs> the age I am now, you're, you're what, 16, 17, somewhere around there. Yeah, seven, yeah, 17, I guess. Yeah. Major sports site, you know, you're revolutionizing the way that sports news is presented on social media. Fan cred gives you independence. 
on how to run the page. You are still running the page just as you did before, except FanCred is the platform that promotes it now. Did you have a moment where you stepped back and you were like, this is a really big deal. I've created a powerhouse because I'm because you're saying that you're the same age I am now. And I can't imagine having a 500,000 follower page and having that much of an audience and then a major site saying, we want to take this up. We're invested in you. Yeah, I think that moment for me was in 2015 when they the the person who the person who ended up buying Fancred reached out to me, and this was before they bought Fancred. And he, you know, he's like an entrepreneur, and he's interested in sports, and he's interested in upstart um, accounts like these. And he reached out to me and my family because I was 15 at the time. Reached out to me in uh, June of 2015, and I think. When I heard about that, that was kind of um, a moment where it's like, wow, this is turning into something. I, obviously, I had a bunch of followers at that point. It had been almost exactly three years since I started the account. But, you know, at 15 and having somebody, anybody notice me like that, um, I think was a significant moment for me. But I do try to keep it more about sports. And, you know, I feel like as long as I focus on sports and not myself or not the account, um, then things will be fine. And so I, you know, I do, I, I kind of keep the same mentality that I've had the entire time, which is just, you know, get the news, post it, do whatever, uh, make, you know, put out what people want to see and um, repeat. Yeah. And then, you know, your daily posts of, you know, flashbacks to posts from different days and what you call ASN history. Mm -hmm. And then the past week leading up to the Super Bowl, you've promoted you know, the defenses and the offenses and the histories of the franchises. What point did you start noticing maybe that you needed to diversify what you were posting or that you wanted to, that you were going to go away from news a little bit and put a little bit of editorial into what you were putting out there? Yeah, I think, I think people like to see some new stuff. I mean, that's the, the very simple explanation. Like people like, people definitely do like to see new content. Um, I think it does say a lot that I've mostly posted the same type of content for the same for the last eight and a half years, and people keep coming back to it. Um, I guess the, you know the other side of that is the news is different all the time, um, so yeah. it's not exactly the same content. But I do like um, putting some new things out there. I found better ways to do graphics. I think some of the stuff like the Super Bowl stuff I'm putting out now, I wouldn't have been able to produce um, even a few years ago. I think I'm able to make things look a little better. Um, and the other thing is I started doing power rankings just before the NFL season and the NBA and baseball back in 2013, and those did really well. And so those were the, that was the first time I really dove into something that wasn't news. It was opinionated. And when that, when that stuff started doing well, I figured, all right, people aren't just married to the idea of news. And of course, when people disagree with me, they're like, oh, well, you should stick to news. But the reality was that it was getting a lot of engagement. Um, and the NFL power rankings especially still get a lot of engagement. So it showed me that people do have the appetite for some other stuff. Yeah. And um, I, I'm not really the, the type to want to throw my opinion all over. You know, when I talk about sports uh, here with anybody, with you or with anyone else, I will give my opinion. But in terms of the page, I do like it to be mostly news, a place where people, you know, don't have to get upset or offended by anything and they can just um, consume the news and come back for the news every single day. Right. And you said you said your follower count has plateaued a little bit, but in that nearly 600,000 that you've got, you've got dedicated fans like myself who, 
you know, get most of their news from your posts who beat ESPN and who, you know, I, I follow your power rankings for every league. And like, when you get down to that top five for baseball or football, I'm always guessing who's next and staying on top of it. So it's, it's a really cool thing to follow us, but, you know, like you said, going, going away from news a little bit and getting into your opinion, because I can say, Oh, you know, I would have put them there or them there. And it's interesting to uh, see that diversify a little bit. This episode is the Super Bowl special. Chiefs box, let's get to it. Who are you taking? Let's get right into it. I'm going to take the Chiefs. Um, I have a, okay. a, I have a few more concerns. I think I think most people are would be going with the Chiefs because um, you know who can stop that offense. But if somebody can stop that offense, the Buccaneers have a shot. They have a great defensive coordinator. Todd Bowles absolutely knows what he's doing. Um, but that pass rush, that pass rush is ferocious. And the biggest issue is it's lining up against an offensive line that's missing both of its starting tackles. Um, Mitchell Schwartz has been out most of the year, so they've dealt with that. But Eric Fisher, um, the number one pick back in 2013, he tore his Achilles last week. They haven't dealt with that yet. Um, They're going to have the first time they're dealing with it is in the Super Bowl against an excellent pass rush with a lot of veteran, with, you know, veteran Jason Pierre Pauls in his 11th year. He's won a Super Bowl. Um, There's only a few fingers left. He's, he won the Super Bowl when he had one and a half more fingers. But, right, right. you know, somehow he had a great – he had one of his best years this year. It's, Pro it's, Bowler. You know, I attribute that to Todd Bowles, I think. So I'm taking the Bucks, and I imagine some of your emphasis on taking the Chiefs has to do with that Week 12 matchup. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because that, that, that Bucks secondary hasn't gotten any better. I mean, I mean, I think some players have improved, but you're dealing with the same young – group um you know the chiefs have actually they've had their issues all year they missed Rashad breland for a few weeks they missed legere speed for half the year they finally have a healthy secondary juan thornhill too that's why i'm you know i, I look i have a feeling they're gonna they're gonna play really well against brady but that buck secondary as talented as some of the young guys are i really like antoine winfield uh jr but you have tyreek hill absolutely toasted them last time and if they didn't change up their game plan a little bit when they went up big I, I think Tyree Hill probably could have set some records for receiving yards and then you have to deal with Travis Kelsey on top of that um, I just I don't know if they're going to be able to keep up with the Chiefs offense but but you're right when you mentioned that game they did start to collect themselves in the second half Tampa they made right. it a game it's a Brady and, comeback it wasn't right, all the way back but it was a Brady comeback right and they're still dealing with Brady on the, the other side, on the stage where he's done so well. And right. they're dealing with a Buccaneers pass rush that has the ability to really take advantage of that offensive line. So I, you know, I, I do think the Bucs have a real chance because not only do you have Brady, but I mean, if, if any All team's going right, and if any team is going to do damage to a little bit of a weak spot for the Chiefs, which is, those, which is that offensive line and those two tackle spots, it's definitely that defense. And you give Todd Bowles two weeks to come up with a game plan. I bet it won't be a very high-scoring game. But um, I, I still have a hard time getting past what Mahomes and Kelsey and Hill can do to that secondary. I mean, the chemistry between Brady and his weapons that have come along, you know, midseason afterwards, uh, you know, just seeing that game against New Orleans, much different than the first two matchups earlier in the season. This team, I don't, I don't know if it's the right word, but they've almost, they've almost matured, and it's difficult to say that about a twenty-year vet, a forty-three-year-old quarterback. But True. he's coming to his own, and you don't, 
not only is he 43, but you don't see this out of first-year quarterbacks. They don't right. go to another city and instantly win, but there's no one like Brady in any sense. But I get what, you know, I get what you're saying. You're, you're talking about Brady probably at his best point in the season, albeit three picks in the NFC Championship, against the number one guy who sticks out on that defense in Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger. There, you know, he was he was who did the most to Brady in that week 12 matchup. And with them butting heads at their best points in the season, respectively, it's going to be an exciting matchup. I agree that it'll be a low scoring one. Uh, I give the Bucks a touchdown. That's what I, that's what I'll say. I mean, I, um, as always, I hope it's a good game. Um, I root for every Super Bowl to be a good game, but um, I don't know. It's it's almost like. For a long time, my mentality was I'll believe Brady's losing in the Super Bowl when I see it. Um, and now it's almost like I'll believe Mahomes is losing when I see it after what happened last year with the comeback in every playoff game. He's just, right. he's unbelievable. So, and they, they have the weapons, but you, you know, I'm also a big proponent of offensive lines matter. And if that Bucks pass rush starts really messing with um, an offensive line that doesn't have some of its best players, you might see Tom Brady have a real chance to win another championship. I mean, I'll admit, I, I, I've learned to not doubt Brady, but I should learn to not doubt Mahomes. But I think in not doubting Mahomes and not doubting Brady, I give the seniority to Brady, even if that's not the way it should be because Mahomes can get back quicker. And then I believe, I believe that divisional matchup last year when they were down 24 to nothing against Houston, that ended up being like 50 to something. I mean, not only did he come back, but it was, he put, he drowned them. I mean, it was, it was insane. I mean, a lot of the second half was unwatchable in that game because you knew the Chiefs were, because the Chiefs were ahead by so much. No, that was, I mean, it was fascinating, but um, I was watching with a friend and when they were down 24 nothing, I'm like, watch the Chiefs come back in this even if they don't win it, I mean, just watch them get right back in it and make it a game because that's just the type of team they have. Um, yeah, it was, it was unbelievable last year. And obviously the Buccaneers defense is a different animal than the Texans defense, but I also don't expect them to go down 24, nothing, but that game shows what Mahomes is capable of. And he came back from down 10 in the Super Bowl in the fourth quarter. And he came back from down, well, I think down 10 against the Titans in that playoff. Yeah, three double digit comebacks. Yeah. I mean, that is, that it's Brady-esque, right? It's something you would expect uh, Tom Brady to do. Right. And I guess it's what makes this matchup so interesting is you have two quarterbacks who are very hard to bet against and one of them's got to lose. But um, it would be very interesting to see if it could turn into a de- little bit of a defensive battle. And I think it might have the chance to, to become that. Whose legacy do you think between the baby goat and the goat, whose legacy do you think relies more on this game? You know, it's it's... I would probably say Mahomes, although, I mean, my first instinct is to say people aren't going to really fault Mahomes for losing to Brady. I mean, unless he somehow collapses, but I don't think people are going to fault Mahomes for losing to Brady, even 43-year-old Brady. But for him to beat Brady, he's never beaten Brady in a playoff game. And that's just, he only played him one time in a playoff game. um, And he, he nearly beat him. I mean, it was really, if the defense wasn't he should have, he should have beat him. Yeah, if the defense wasn't Swiss cheese, they would have beaten him. But a little bit of college overtime rules, NFL yeah. overtime rules. Oh, yeah, I don't I don't like the NFL overtime rules, but you know the reality is is we'll always judge quarterbacks um, based on wins and losses, fair or not. That's just how they're going to be judged. And he's 0-1 against Brady in the playoffs. I don't think people would would 
care too much at the end of the day if he's 0-2 against Brady in the playoffs at the end of the day. But just that that one thing on his resume that says beat Tom Brady, the greatest right. ever in a Super Bowl, that's kind on of – On his home turf. On his home turf. I mean right. – With all those weapons. I mean, that, that's kind of an indispensable part of, a, part of his legacy um, to say that that's one of the Super Bowls. I don't. I would never diminish winning a Super Bowl. That was a great achievement last year. But he beat Jimmy Garoppolo. It would mean a lot more to say that he beat Tom Brady. Right. Last thing on Brady here. If he gets his seventh ring on Sunday, we we've already established across the board unanimous ninety nine point nine percent. There's always going to be that jag off out there that says something else. He's he's the goat. He's the greatest football player of all time, not, not just quarterback, the greatest football player of all time. Does seven make him the greatest of anything of all time? Jordan, Ali, does he jump every single athlete that we've ever seen? I mean, I hate to mention Bill Russell with 11, but it was a different era then. But, but does Brady winning seven make him the goat of everything? I mean, I, I think that's the case you can make. You know, I think a lot of people consider Jordan the goat of everything, and he has six championships. In this case, Brady would have seven. Um, and I, undefeated. Right, right. Now, the difference there, too, is the NBA is very – now, you, you do need a team, but it's very one or two star-oriented. You do need stars. Football, just by nature, you need a lot. And Brady, for as great as he is, those teams have had a lot sometimes. Um the Patriots Moss, had some Branch, Gronk, right. all those They guys. had some great defenses, too, um, right. back when they were first winning their first few championships, also when they beat the Rams. And then even this Bucks team has an excellent defense. But, I mean, it's, it's kind of incredible. I want to say I made that comparison. You know, basketball is a little more star-oriented, so when a, when a team wins it, it might reflect a little more on that star player. But the difference in the NFL is there's a lot more parity. The NFL is built for parity. The set, there's a very hard salary cap. Um, and aside from those Patriots, you were seeing different, you know, different teams every year. The NFL is built for parity, and the Patriots found a way to cut through that. And now you're somehow seeing Tom Brady cut through that with the Bucks. That alone is a testament to his greatness, is that while everyone else, the Chiefs are starting to do it too, but you, know, you just don't know how long that's going to last. Even if it lasted five or six years, it's nothing compared to what the Patriots did. Tom Brady's ability to kind of just defeat that league, defeat the system that's built for parity and somehow win or at least get real close to that stage every year probably puts him right at the forefront of that conversation for one of the greatest athletes ever. I don't think I'm going to be the one to make that declaration. I didn't, I kind of have a hard time uh, declaring anything when I wasn't alive to see Jordan play. Fair enough. Yeah. But I, how can you? How can he not be in that conversation? I, the one thing I'll say, you will not be laughed at if you make that case. If he wins another, and team. I'm, I'm not making a claim that he's the greatest athlete of all time as right. far as athletic ability goes. Yeah. But like you said, you weren't around to see Jordan play, and that's where the athletic capability comes into play. But what you're talking about is the accolades, what you see at the bottom of his Wikipedia page, and. Uh, what do they call those? The sports encyclopedia or whatever. You know, that's that's what we're talking about. So, I get what you, I get what you're saying with Jordan. Uh, so, so just sum it up and sum it up. Yes or no, Brady? The goat of everything was seven. 
I don't know if I come on, man. I don't know if I want to be the one to make that case. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I would I would probably go with Jordan based on everything I've I've learned about him and and seen and heard about him. I I mean, some of the things he did were just incredible, and going six zero in the finals is unbelievable. Um, but like I said, for somebody like that to win potentially win seven championships with so much parity in this sport, it's incredible. And he's going to go down as the greatest football player of all time. And I like what you said. It doesn't matter what your body shape is or what, what you look like or how you play. If you win championships and you put up those numbers, it doesn't, you can be the, you can be the greatest. And that's the case. You know, yeah, he might run a, he might have um, a 40 yard dash time over five. Doesn't mean anything. <laughs> right. I mean, how you're built does matter to some extent. That's, the greatest athletic no. ability well, is an argument matters, for another day. It matters, it matters in getting to there, but if you have that career, people are going to look back on what you won and what numbers you put up. But yes, in terms of getting to that stage, usually you want to be in good shape. That's why I'm not playing. <laughs> I hear you, brother. Um, okay, so you're taking the Chiefs. I want to do a new segment here I've never done, and I want to introduce it during this interview because I'm sure you have your own thoughts. I'm calling it Landing Spots. Like I said, it's the first time I've done it, so we'll kick off the segment's first edition by talking NFL QBs, so just basically where they're going to land, quarterback carousel. I know you definitely have some thoughts. I want to start – Matt Stafford, I know he's already been traded to the Rams. Up until last Saturday when that trade happened, they weren't really in the discussion. So where did you think he'd land before then? And if not the Rams, where do you think the best place for him would be, would have been? I thought the Colts definitely made a ton of sense. And I feel like everybody made that connection. Yeah. But you have a, a team that's already built to win. Um, and they, they went 11 and five with Phillip Rivers, who I would, I would take Matthew Stafford over Phillip Rivers at, at, at that stage of Rivers' career. You, you know, so that's a team that if you plug Stafford in and you keep all those pieces, could potentially go 12 and four or something like that, you know, compete to make a real deep run into the playoffs. The Colts made a lot of sense for Stafford as a win-now team that could just plug in a quarterback like that. Uh, you're right. The, the Rams surprised me a little, although there's, there's a lot of smoke about them not wanting to bring back Jared Goff. But that's, that's always easier said than done. You, can't just, you usually can't just swap out a quarterback and get another great quarterback. But uh, well, mm -hmm. I agree that the Colts would have been the best landing spot, but it was one of those trades that – Something didn't click until after the deal was done. And it was that he was not McVay's quarterback. That was Jeff Fisher and ownership's pick the first year that they were there. So it raises some questions about how that relation, obviously they made a Super Bowl. Obviously they made a, you know, they had one of the greatest offenses that year, that, that year they beat the Chiefs on that Monday night or went to the Super Bowl. But it raises some questions, and it did, like I said, it didn't really click until after the trade happened that maybe that wasn't the best relationship because he wasn't his hand-picked quarterback, and obviously you know that McVay, Stafford have a great relationship. Right. I mean, I think people kind of – you make a good point because I think a lot of people put that out of their mind when they won an NFC championship um, in 2018 and Goff had a great year. I think people kind of just put behind them the fact that McVay and Goff weren't actually, um, you know, connected at first. But it's true. He wasn't. McVay is, is an offensive guru. He's an excellent offensive coach. And those type of guys would like to have their own quarterback. And the truth of the matter is he didn't pick off. He, he obviously chose that job. But, 
you know, you, when there are only 32 head coaching jobs, you pick whatever's available. He was not, Goff was not McVay's quarterback. And the last couple of years kind of gave you the impression that things were not going to get better. So McVay obviously wants to get back to that Super Bowl and he wants to win one. When you, this is a win, this is a win now league. They're, they're a win now franchise with the talent that they have on both sides of the ball. Absolutely. You need that quarterback. And he said Goff wasn't that quarterback. And I think as soon as he determined that Goff was not that quarterback who could take them to that level, he said, we have to make a change because he wants to win. He doesn't want to go into another season thinking, hey, we could go 11 and five, but the, the odds of beating Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or anyone like that are low. He didn't want to go into another season with that mentality. If you have Stafford, Stafford isn't Aaron Rodgers, but at minimum, you can go into the season thinking, um, there are some big things he can do with this offense. I think I think McVeigh is probably going to go into next season feeling better than he did either the last two seasons because he has that guy that he thinks can take them to that next level. So he's thirty three. Are do you think expectations are too high? Do you think they deserve to be the betting favorite at this point? Do you think that team is there that a thirty three year old quarterback who probably has a Hall of Fame career but has not had Hall of Fame seasons as far as you know postseason what is he one and three do you think that expectation is too high at this point for a 33 year old quarterback like Stafford with his resume yeah I think there, there's definitely a little bit of a uh, a strong reaction to it when the first when the trade first went down of people saying well this team is a serious threat now I think they're going to be very good I think they can be if they they can be better than they were last year if everything works out like it did but I'm not sure. And it doesn't really rest with Stafford. It rests with the fact that their defense took a gigantic step forward after they hired Brandon Staley. And Brandon Staley right. left. You know, you'd like to think you can kind of keep that system in place. But it, in the past, it hasn't worked out that way with a lot of teams. When the Falcons lost Kyle Shanahan, Steve Sarkeesian, even though he tried to keep a lot of the same, um, a lot of the offense that, that Shanahan had, it didn't work out. They did not have a great offense in 2017, the year after they went to the Super Bowl. When um, Vic Fangio left Chicago, they had a good defense the next year, but it was not that dominant force that it was. They had Chuck Pagano. It was not the dominant force that it was under Vic Fangio. So I kind of question if you don't, ha you might have a better offense, but are you going to have that same defense? And if you don't have that same defense, what are the odds that you actually can make that run? Is Stafford going to be an elite quarterback? In that system, now maybe he is, and, and if he is, they they probably can go to a Super Bowl, and who knows, maybe win one. But I no, I don't see them as the the betting favorites, not even out of the NFC, pending the other moves, just because there's so many moving pieces there between the the new defensive scheme and the new quarterback. All right, so fellows who are still on the carousel, I'll give you the player, tell you where I think he's going, and then you give me where you think he's going, and maybe a sentence or two soundbite just let me know what you think Carson Wentz I got him going to the Colts rejoining Frank Reich what do you think I like the Colts it's the Frank Reich connection you see it a lot in this league coaches like to go back to players they have familiarity with Wentz had his best season when Reich was his offensive coordinator it seems like a really good match Dak Prescott got him going back to the Cowboys I see Jerry Jones Stephen Jones doing right by him I don't think they let him go. Yeah, I think he stays. Whether it's franchise tag or give him a new deal, I think they have to find a way to let him stay. 
Here's probably the most interesting one I got for you. Derek Carr, Patriots. He, his personality seems like a good fit, actually, for that Belichick way. But I think Derek Carr, it's good to mention Derek Carr because I almost get the sense that it's, it's almost like a Jared Goff situation there where he's played right. well at times, for sure. He had a pretty good year this past year. They had some issues on the defense. But John Gruden inherited him obviously. And he's never really seemed totally, he's never given like a ringing endorsement to Derek Carr, even though he's given some light endorsements. And Carr is kind of like a goth that he can, he maybe can only take you so far. So I I do think that there is a chance that we, there's definitely a chance that we see him traded. Maybe this, maybe the carousel doesn't work out that way, but I bet that the Raiders are looking at the trading him. And I like, I like the Patriots. Um, I like the Patriots suggestion. I wonder too, you know, the Bears are out there. They need a quarterback somehow, and they haven't been connected to the yeah, Wences no. of the world. Um, I'm not sure if that would kind of be the answer that they want, but the Bears have to find a quarterback somewhere. So just throw them out. As, as a Bears fan, I don't want Derek Carr, to be yeah. totally honest with you. But that brings me to my next one. A guy that I don't really want, but I think is more li- the likeliest of all choices, Matt Ryan. I think he will be a bear next season. I think they're going to hold on to Matt Ryan. Um, if, if I had okay. to guess, I think they do a, an Alex Smith Mahomes type deal and hold on to Matt Ryan for a year because they think, I think, I do believe that Arthur Smith and that new brain trust in Atlanta, they seem like they believe they can win something with him. Um, you know, maybe not a Super Bowl, but that they can have a winning season with him. And I think the Chiefs thought similarly when they had Alex Smith. They knew they probably weren't going to win the Super Bowl, but they knew they could get some wins out of him, make a playoff appearance, and build some momentum. I think they hold on to Matt Ryan, but they also pick somebody fourth uh, or third if they if they decide it's it's a safe bet to trade up to third. I think they're in position to take a good quarterback. They have a new young coach who can mold that quarterback, Arthur Smith. But I believe that they would hold on to Matt Ryan for another year. He has a good year. If he has a good year, you can get some real value for him next year. He's not on a massive contract. He signed it three years ago. So I say they hold on to Matt Ryan for a year and then trade him next year. But he would be a good fit for the Bears. Zach Wilson, who do you, who do you think is that guy that sits behind him? I haven't, you haven't put out your projections, your Mel Kuyper board yet, have you? No, I haven't missed that. Okay. I might look into doing a mock draft maybe later this month around the. Yeah. Uh, the virtual combine or whatever they're doing, probably maybe the end of February, because that's kind of a dead time. I might look into putting out a mock draft. But at this point in time, I'll go with the Jets. I think the Jets um, might be inclined to pick him over Justin Fields, and that's not even close to inside info. Wilson. Oh, yeah, that's not anything close to inside info. But I wonder if Zach Wilson has built his momentum enough that he could be the number two overall pick. That has not that that is, has not been something that has even entered my mind but now that you say it it's if not though, definitely if not though he could be that guy for the falcons like i mentioned you know he's a, he could be the type of guy who sits a year behind matt ryan and learns um i'd be i'd probably be pretty surprised if he fell past the fourth pick but you never know how these things happen he's got a whole pro day ahead of him so so i know you i know you follow leagues more than specific teams whatever but you're from New York. Right. Are you a Jets fan? I am. My next guy here, Deshaun Watson. I can't decide 
between the Niners and the Dolphins. So I'll say them both because I think that they're neck and neck because he's going to choose wherever he wants to go. It's all a matter of where he wants to go, that no trade clause, if they even decide that they want to get rid of him. Where do you see him going? Bias Jets fans see him going somewhere else. I do think that I think where he wants to go is very important, but the Texans, he will have to be realistic about um, the offers the Texans get because I think the Texans' best bets are by far the Dolphins and the Jets in terms of what they can get back to, back with draft picks. The, te- the Dolphins obviously would be giving back the Texans' own draft pick this year. Um, and then the Jets have two first-round picks this year and next year. So the Jets are in a position where they can give up We'll start with, we'll, all right, we'll say three first-round picks. They can give up three first-round picks and have only one year where they don't have a first-round pick. That would be 2023 because they would still have one from the Jamal Adams trade this year and they'd have one from the Jamal Adams trade next year. That's if they gave up the second pick, which is another, which is a big deal having the second pick. It's a bigger deal than the 49ers having, I don't even know what they have. It's ninth or 10th. Second's important, especially if they need a quarterback. Um, and the Dolphins have, I, I, I do believe Deshaun Watson would approve a trade to the Dolphins, and the Dolphins have the draft capital to and get Tua. it done. Right, they have Tua, and they have the draft capital because they have that Texans pick, the third overall right. pick this year to start with. So That was Tunsil, right? That was the Tunsil that, trade? Yeah, that was the Laramie Tunsil yeah. trade. And uh, they they got two first-round picks out of that. They used, it, they used one last year, and they have that other remaining one that ended up at the third pick. So I think a lot is going to matter. A lot is going to depend on the packages these teams can put together. Like going to San Francisco, playing for a really well-run 49ers franchise is appealing, but can the 49ers put together a package that even comes close to matching what the Dolphins and Jets can? I'm not sure. In a, in a If it was balanced and everybody, you know, there were no teams that had t- two first-round picks like that, maybe um, the teams like the 49ers can make a real run, but I'm not sure the Dolphins and Jets have a big leg up, I think, for that reason, the draft picks. That's a destination I want to see him go because when that team's at full strength, that team went to the Super Bowl last year with Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. And if you put that, and if you get that team to full strength, no injuries, no COVID, and you put Deshaun Watson in there instead of Jimmy Garoppolo, I, I have no doubt in my mind that that's instant NFC favorite over Brady, Rodgers, the declining Seahawks, Stafford with the Rams, whatever it may be. That team, in my mind, is instantly an NFC favorite. Oh, yeah. They'd be legit. I mean, they have everything you could hope for. They would have a, a defense that played really well this season despite all those injuries. So you know that they're going to bounce back, even without Robert Sala, I think. Um, and then I wanted the Bears to hire him so bad. I'm, I love him. He's, he's a, yeah. I just love his energy. I think he's going to be – I think he's a leader of men, which right. is the complete opposite of Adam Gase. But back to the 49ers – they also have a lot of good um, offensive weapons all of a sudden because you have Brandon Ayuk had a really good uh, rookie year. Debo yes. Samuel has dealt with a lot of injuries, but if he gets healthy next year, he's a really good option. You have George Kittle, who's an unbelievable tight end when healthy. If you put Watson with th- those three weapons alone, um, and then they have Shanahan also always seems to have a good running back by committee group that gets a lot of, gets big chunks of yards no matter who's in it. So if you put yeah if you put Watson in that offense, that would be the 49ers might all of a sudden become the team to beat in the NFC again. And that defense without Sal, I'm sure they can hold their own. You're talking yeah. about 
I mean, you're talking about all these different guys, Nick Bosa, once he's back, I mean, you're talking about a defense that, you know, they, that was, that was what got them to the Super Bowl last year. Raheem Mostert had four touchdowns in the NFC championship game, but that entire season, that was the defense. And and the thing with the Shanahan McVeigh tree is they always seem to promote from within and do really well with that. Right. So I don't think they'll have a big loss uh, losing Robert Sala. Tomiko Ryan's, who's the former Texans and Eagles linebackers, their new DC. They always seem this whole tree seems to come up with guys out of the pipeline that do well. And I mentioned before when the when the Falcons lost Shanahan, um, their offense kind of fell apart. You wonder, they had Matt LaFleur as their quarterbacks coach that year. If they had just made Matt LaFleur their offensive coordinator, they probably wouldn't have lost much of a step. But they, but LaFleur was hired by McVay, went to the Rams. He, he helped turn the Rams offense around, and the, the Falcons had to go to the college ranks to get Steve Sarkeesian. The Shanahan coaching tree seems to be different. They seem to just identify guys, pull them up, and replicate the same success. So I'm not too worried about losing Robert Sala with that defense. So we got a little away from Watson there. It was I. I'm full. I'm fully into the discussion though. Yeah, but we got a little away. So Watson, you got to say a team right now. I'll say, I think it's going to be Miami. Give me, give me your favorite. I'll say Miami, but I think the Jets. I think, I think if he would approve a trade to the Jets, I think they're very much a contender. Okay, and then this last one's a little bit of a joke, but I do want to see what ends up happening to him because he's from my team, and I want to see who he's going to back up for the next four years money Mitch I got him going to the Broncos I think that that is a match made in heaven to back up whoever it is a white unathletic high school uh peaker whatever that was I think that that that's money Mitch that's the exact one I was thinking of because I they're they're going to bring in competition for Drew Locke but I would be I don't think it's going to be somebody who's easily going to just supplant Drew Locke because I think they still believe he has something Trubisky fits that mold. Um, because you mentioned the Broncos, I'll give you another team. You know, you wonder if Bill Belichick can maybe, Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels can try to work some magic with them. I don't think they'd bring him in as a starter, but I think they could bring him in as competition. I would rather see Aaron Rodgers go to the Patriots <laughs> than Mitch Trubisky. And not because I care about I mean, obviously, he's been the quarterback here, took us to the playoffs, double doink, whatever. There's just something about me that doesn't want to see a, a bear in a Patriots yeah. uniform. I feel like that'd be disgusting. Last thing here, final score, Super Bowl. What do you think? I know you're picking the Chiefs. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll say 26-20, Chiefs. 26-20. I was gonna go. I was gonna go twenty-seven, twenty-one bucks. Okay. So we're in that. We're yeah. in that same area. Dan, brother, it's been great. This was awesome. I'd be glad to have you back, y'all. Yeah. Check out all sports news on Instagram. Dan, the page has revolutionized sports news on social media. Check out his stuff on FanCred. Dan, thank you, man. Thanks for having me on. Alrighty, a great interview with Dan Tracy there. Dan, thank you for your time. A great interview. Like I said, the wake-up call is back, and that means our number one sponsor is back too. Mark Cortezi State Farm is the official insurance sponsor of the wake-up call. For more information, call 217-787-1727 or visit growwithmark.com. Again, Mark Cortezi State Farm is the official insurance sponsor of the wake-up call. Great interview with Dan. I hope you all got a lot from it. 
We're going to go now into the first ever edition of my new segment, Buy or Sell. So I asked you guys for your takes about Super Bowl 55 on Instagram, and now I'm going to talk about them. So the first one here, bold take, but Tyreek Hill will have under 100 receiving yards. I'm going to sell that one. I do not agree. Okay, yeah, by the way, buy means that I agree with it. Sell means that I don't. So I'm, I'm taking it or I'm not. I'm going to sell this one. Top weapon for Mahomes. I'm not, I'm not saying that this game is going to be like the last time they played week 12 where Tyreek had 200 in the first quarter. I'm not going to, and I'm not saying the Chiefs are going to win, but I don't think that he's going to be under 100. The speed that that guy has, his yards after catch, that, he's going to do a lot. I wouldn't be surprised if in the first quarter we have a 30 we have a 30 yard pass in the air that Tyreek runs for 20 more and he's got 50 already in the first quarter. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. So I'm going to disagree with Tyreek Hill having under 100 receiving yards. The next one here, Tom Brady will play past 45. So these these don't have to be about the game itself. It can just be about anything uh, with anyone or anything involved in Super Bowl 55. So Brady will play past 45. I'm going to buy this one. Listen, he's, we've known for a long time that he wanted to play until 45, and now he's saying that he wants to play past. In my own opinion, this past season, he looked 33, not 43, he looked 33. And I'm not saying, I'm not, you know, he's going to have a sharp decline. At some point, it's going to happen, it happens to everyone, but I don't see it happening for him soon. I think he plays past 45. I don't think he retires after this season. I don't think he retires after the next either because this team is obviously competitive. These weapons are going to stick around. They're all more people are going to flood down there to play with them and just get almost what is what's almost a free ring. I'm not going to I'm not saying that they're 100% going to win tomorrow. Obviously they're my pick, but to play with Tom Brady is almost a free ring. So I do agree. I will buy this take. Brady will play past 45. Next one here, Mahomes ties or beats Brady in rings. I'm going to sell this one. I'm going to sell this one. This is probably one of the tougher ones I got because he's so young. He's so young. He's, he's 24. He's probably going to have a few more. I'm not saying he's going to win tomorrow. I'm not saying he's going to get a second one tomorrow. Again, picking the Bucks. But he's probably going to have a few more. He's going to have some weapons around him with all of the salary cap stuff. He's not going to have all these guys around him forever, but he's going to have weapons around him. He's one of the most talented athletes we've ever seen. He's a, he's great at what he does, obviously, but I don't think that he's going to have the same longevity that Brady has, has had. I don't think that he's going to play in the Super Bowl. I don't even think he's going to make six Super Bowls, to be totally honest with you. Because I think that there are going to be guys that catch up to him. I think other quarterbacks are going to go to the AFC. I think it's going to be competitive. I think that he will be in 10 or more AFC championship games. I think that he has the postseason success and going pretty far in the postseason like Brady has for the last 20 years, nearly every year. But I don't think that he even makes six Super Bowls, let alone the 10 that Brady has made. So I'm going to sell this one. Mahomes ties or beats Brady. In rings. Kelsey has over 100 yards. I'm going to sell this one. Those yards are going to go to Tyreek Hill and... Who's the guy's name I'm forgetting? Oh my god, I should not be forgetting this guy's name. Um, the other receiver. 
it, it'll come to me at some point. I'm totally blanking. That's a little embarrassing that I'm that I'm blanking on uh, what, what's going on with him. Um, but I, oh, uh, Corey Hartman, Cole Corey Hartman, Cole Hartman. I don't, dude, total brain fart. But you guys know who I'm talking about. Anyways. <laughs> I think that those yards are going to go to those two guys. I don't think that Kelsey's going to have over 100. I, I think Kelsey will have about 70. I think that I think that's a realistic range for him. But I think this game is going to be it's going to be a rainy game. So not all of the game is going to take place through the air. There's going to have to be a lot of ground game in place. And I think that Clyde Edwards-Elair and uh, who am I thinking of? Le'Veon Bell. I think all those guys get yards. Man, I am having a brain fart on Chiefs players tonight. Jesus. Uh, but I'm going to sell this one. Kelsey has over 100 yards. And then I figured I'd end it off with just an awesome one. I was talking, again, I said anything having to do with Super Bowl 55. I did not expect to get something like this, but I did. Someone responded, and I love this. The weekend was a bad choice for the halftime show. I sell that. This dude has put $7 million of his own money into, into the show. He says it's going to be like something we've never seen before. He says it's going to be something that he just pulled out of his own imagination, which I think is going to be nuts. Have you seen that guy? Anything he does. He got freaking plastic surgery for a music video. I'm going off on a little, you know, pumping up the weekend here. But everyone knows at least three of his songs. You've heard Blinding Lights for the last six months. Quarantine, that whole dancey dance on the TikTok. This it's going to be an epic halftime performance. Let me out. I don't think it's going to be as good as Shakira and J Lo, but I think it'll be better than Bruce Springsteen. You know, I'm not. I think it. I think it'll be a. I think it'll be a top. Get a good number. Top eight halftime show all time, if not maybe top five. I don't know, but I sell this. The weekend is going to have a great halftime show. He's going to have a great set of songs. He's going to put on a great show, and it's going to be interesting to see how they do it in COVID and everything. All right, moving on now to the Madden Sim of Super Bowl 55. Like I said, I did one, and it turned out way better than I could have hoped for. First of all, Brady did it again. I'm trying, I, I got to follow everything that's going on up here. I don't have it written down. I'm just going through it on the PS4 itself post-game, you know, that post-game exit screen. Okay, Here's what happened. Brady did it again. Another comeback. It was surprisingly, Mahomes blew a lead. He had a double-digit lead and blew it. So here's what happened. Bucks were up 3-0 after the first quarter. Kansas City exploded for 24 points in the second. Uh, the Bucks had only six in the second. So it was 24-9 at half. A 15-point lead for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Then the Bucks had 10 in the third quarter, the Chiefs had none, so it was 24 to 19 after the third quarter. Bucks are coming back. I wasn't watching this live. I super simmed it. I simmed through it quickly. Uh, for you old folks out there, that means that I left it up to the computer to decide and just didn't watch it the entire time. Uh, I got the game done in about two minutes. For those of you guys who grew up playing Pong, you guys have no idea what I'm talking about. But anyways, the final score was 30 to 27. 11 points in the fourth for the Bucks, 3 points in the fourth for the Chiefs. Mahomes blew the lead. Brady came back. Brady's a Super Bowl MVP. Here are the stats. Mahomes had a 95 passer rating, 27 for 43, 359 passing yards, 2 touchdowns, 1 interception. Brady had 24 completions, 44 attempts, 309 passing yards, and 1 
Touchdown, no picks. 84 pass rating. I don't know if I said it already, but Brady did win the Super Bowl MVP. Ronald Jones, 67 yards, one touchdown. Playoff Lenny, Leonard Fournette, hashtag Big Cat, hashtag Pardon My Take, hashtag Playoff Lenny. 30 yards for Fournette, no touchdowns. Le'Veon Bell, 20 yards, one touchdown. Tom Brady, 27 yards. That is probably the most unrealistic thing that I'm going to see in this sim. 27 rushing yards from Tom Brady just isn't going to happen. He's an old man. Uh, he's on the, you know, he's, he's at risk for COVID. He's that old. 27 yards for Brady. Uh, no rushing touchdowns. That's not hard to believe. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, 9 yards. Tyreek Hill, 6 rushing yards. Mike Evans, 7. Patrick Mahomes, 7. So, Brady outran Mahomes more than three times, nearly four times. So that's not believable. Antonio Brown, top receiver in the game, 90 yards, one touchdown. Travis Kelsey, 83 yards, no touchdowns. Chris Godwin, 73 yards, no touchdowns. Sammy Watkins, 64 yards, no touchdowns. Tyree Kill, 120 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, so Tyree Kill was not held under 100 yards. Like I said, by the way, I did buy or sell before this segment. I should have prefaced that before because also Kelsey was held under 100. So I'm two for two on those takes. Uh, Mike Evans, 59 yards. Leonard Fournette, 51. Playoff Lenny, hashtag playoff Lenny. Rob Gronkowski, 36 yards. Demarcus Robinson, 43. And Nick Kaiser had, had five yards. Never, never heard of Nick Kaiser. Don't don't blame me on that one. Um, let's see here. What else we got? Cole Hardman, 27 yards on returning. How did kick and go? Ryan Suckup, five field goals on five attempts. Harrison Butker, two field goals on two attempts. But the biggest story in this one, 30-27, to 27, big comeback for Brady, down 15 and a half. He does it again. Patrick Mahomes is the one blowing the double-digit lead. Madden says Tampa. I'm saying Tampa. Madden says 30-27. to 27. I'm saying 27-21. to 21. That is the end of the show. Guys, I got to tell you, thank you for sticking with me these past two months. Thank you for coming back. I know it's been a while, but the show is back, and we're here to stay. We're going to have a lot coming out for you guys, not only from the wake-up call, but from Birchwood Sports as a whole. Go follow the Birchwood Sports Instagram page at Birchwood Sports for updates and more content. That is all I got for you. Watch the Super Bowl. Wear your masks. Stay safe. It's been two months since I did an episode and this COVID shit is still around. Wear your mask. Stay safe. This has been the Wake Up Call with James Maker presented by Birchwood Sports Network. Guys, have a great Super Bowl Sunday. It's great to be back. See y'all.